coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. One thing that is really interesting, both Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, the ancient textbooks that say how to treat, they're, they're written with what I would say is humility and with the intention of, he, of helping the person. Uh-huh. So they would say, for example, patient presents with these symptoms and this kind of constitution. That's probably this disease. Okay? okay. Go ahead and do this treatment. Okay. And then they'll say, if after your treatment, patient has a whole new series of symptoms that are not good, yeah. then that means they really originally had this disease. Okay. Right. Okay. And therefore, we're not, this is what it really is. And this is what's definitely going to work. Interesting. Right. Interesting. So there's no ego about it. It's just a matter of fact of diagnosis is hard. Yeah, sure. Okay? And we learn from our failures yeah. more than we do our successes. So when they show us, okay, this is how you treat it. And then if you failed and this is how you failed, then that means it was really that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the more you understand your failures, you know, the more you understand how the human body works. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Past the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have David Shirazi, who is the owner and doctor at TMJ and Sleep Therapy Center. So David has a long history in the dental practice. Uh, And what makes him very interesting is he also studied very heavily uh, Chinese medicine. So it was, uh, this conversation was really interesting. Uh, I have a deep passion for uh, alternative forms of, of medicine and not necessarily reaching to, to, you know, pop an aspirin or something like that at the first ache and pain. So really interesting. We got into a couple of different, you know, Chinese type medicine practices and, and different ways of, of, you know, looking at pain and, and pain management. But we also got into his specialty, which is uh, treating people with TMJ and you know, is really fascinating how a lot of people may have TMJ problems and it might be impacting your health negatively and you may not even necessarily know it. So we got into some of those types of conversations where, you know, we, we, we dove into what could be happening in different situations. So he, he gave some tips of what to look for. And, and, you know, if you have these ailments, you know, this could be happening. So, you know, and it, it sort of goes right through the gamut, right? That, you know, it, it can uh, impact headaches, it can impact sinuses, 
you know, which obviously all of that is impacting your sleep, which then that goes into a whole host of different things. And we touch on some of those, some of those topics in this conversation. So again, really, really enlightening, really interesting. David offered a lot of very interesting insights from his experience. So uh, with that, I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. What an interesting question. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show and, and for this interesting question. Well, I mean, you know, my mom's a dentist. My dad was a pharmacist and he ended up uh, owning a toy store. I just remember, you know, the dining room was where I talked about school. Like mm-hmm. my parents put a lot of emphasis on school, good grades, what I want to be when I grow up. You know, it was even at a young age, it was like, I remember being nine years old, like, what do you mean you don't know what you want to be yet? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah, it was, it was really about that. What, what did you want to be when you were like, did you have anything that was sort of floating around in your head I mean, when you were young? Like it was around when I was, I think about 14 years old when I wanted to be a dentist mm-hmm. because I would watch my mom doing root canals and, and working with her hands. And I love talking to people and getting into their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was perfect for me. You know, it was just, a, it was an easy transition. Before that, I liked architecture and I liked, I liked the judge part, like being a judge mm-hmm. where you have to like be neutral and, and weigh two things for the you know greatest good of all concerned. But then when I realized you have to be a lawyer first, I was like, that that's done. I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't understand this whole thing of being argumentative. Yeah. I I, I I'm the same way. Are you a I, Libra by chance? I am. Yeah. So am I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My oldest friend, he's an Aquarius, as as is my son. But my oldest friend, Jack, he would love to argue. Yeah. Like with his wife, like they, they both enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. They would take a position and then defend the position. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I'm about, well, why don't we just get to a place of truth, you know? And, and I've always find when you, when you've gone through that a lot, the results are, it's not this or that it's this and that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Where there's a time and a place where both things are true. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, yeah, I've, I've never been one to sit there and argue either. I'd just, you know, much rather just say, okay, you know, we'll do it your way then. And, you know, if it fails, then, you know, we can go from there. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I've never been one to, 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 you know, take a stand either. So what would you do, you know, after, you know, did you go to uh, college? Did you, you know, did you do that whole road? Um, oh, very. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to college and then I went to dental school and then I got a master's in Chinese medicine and then a master's in psychology. So oh, wow. you could say I did the school thing. You could. Yeah. <laughs> and and, what and was... I'm actually an advocate of most people not going to college, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, some people, some people, you know, that's what they enjoy, right? You know, I, I personally, I never went to college and, you know, I don't think that you need to, obviously, but, uh, you know, some people enjoy it. My sister has been through it, you know, and, and uh, she, I got it. She just graduated, I think, finally for the last time, maybe 10 years ago or so, something like that. So mm-hmm. she, she kept on going and going and going. But anyway, so, so the Chinese medicine, what, what, made you, what made you interested in Chinese medicine and what types of things did they teach you? Is it like, you know, tinctures and, and you know, different things that could, could help, like different natural things that could help different yeah. ailments? Um, 
So I got into it because everyone in my family is like a doctor or a dentist, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I was 18 and I had a cold and I have a neurotic Jewish mother. So she sends me over to the doctor. I go to Kaiser and the waiting room is filled with sick people hacking and coughing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I left because, you know, you're usually in there like an hour. So I left. I came back. They brought me back and they gave me antibiotics. And I said, well, this problem's in my nose, right? He goes, yeah. Right. I go, well, if it's in my nose, isn't it a virus? He goes, probably. I go, well, then what's the antibiotic going to do for the virus? And he said, well, the antibiotic is going to focus on the bugs in your immune system so that your immune system can now focus on the virus. I said, mm-hmm. Okay. I told my mom what he said, and my mom is in that age group of you just do whatever the doctor tells you to <laughs> right. do. So I took it. I got better. And then, you know, this is before the internet. So I went to the library, looked it up. And even in 1991, we knew you don't, you, <laughs> you don't give antibiotics for a viral infection. Yeah. There are consequences to that. So I just remember thinking these people don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. And that I wanted to learn something holistic so that when I have my own family, I can help them without doing steroids and antibiotics for every little thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, I, was, my, that was my motivation. I love it. I love it. That's, and it's interesting that you came to that realization, you know, that young, I, I basically started going down that same path where I, I can remember probably being like 13, 14 years old. And, you know, we used to drink pop growing up soda, you know, depending whatever you call it. And then I, at one point I said, oh, I'm only going to drink clear soda. So I only would drink, you know, Sprite or seven up. And then probably around 15, 16, something like that. I was like, I'm not going to drink any soda at all. And, and I started going down this path of, of, you know, being healthy. And, and it's interesting how many people don't necessarily, you know, ever get to that point. And, and it's interesting that, you know, you're into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you were right there as well, you know, starting to make those types of, you know, decisions, you know, at that, that young age. So what were, was there anything that, that stands out that you use today on a regular basis that, you know, you learned in those schoolings, like any types of, you know, things that you sort of rely on to stay healthy, or if you're feel a cold coming on or whatever it is that you'll, you know, you'll you'll do. So uh, because of the taste of the herbs, you know, I try to avoid taking herbs myself whenever I, you know, I need a, a boost, mm-hmm. but I do liposomal vitamins like vitamin C, D, yeah. K2, and that, that boosts my immune system. We, I mean, it's essential. We need it. Yeah. Like vitamin yeah. D is a hormone. It's an enzyme. It's a vitamin. I mean, it's essential for life. You can't yeah. be without it. Yeah. So I, I, I do go more, I guess you could say more Western in that mm-hmm. context, but I also, so one of the things they, in Chinese medicine, medical school they teach is philosophy right okay and the philosophy is about being in balance with nature so if it's cold outside they recommend eating hotter foods right okay if your constitution is such that you're more affected by the cold right like there's some people like my son if it's cold outside or if it's rainy or windy he's much more susceptible to catching a cold yeah Right. So we make sure he eats hot food. We give him oatmeal that give that, you know, kind of warms your core and and things like that. If that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if it's rainy outside, you do a little bit more drying foods, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's hot outside, more cooling foods, you know, just 
you know, that, that of course is part of me. And I love spicy food. So when it's cold outside, I'm looking forward to just eating that spicy food. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. cool. So you obviously focus on like TMJ and, and, you know, basically ailments from the neck up, I guess you could say, how, how did you get into that, that focus? Very much accidentally. I always say that the, uh, this profession chose me. Okay. So when I went into dental school, I wanted to be an oral surgeon because I love surgery. Mm-hmm. I, sit, I was a dental assistant for eight years before I went to dental school. And for four and a half of it, I was uh, a, 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 a surgical assistant. Mm-hmm. And when I went to dental school, the first semester, they would show these post- surgeries these post tmj surgeries and you know this is well before i think cat scans even where you're looking at this plain film with all these bolts in the patient Mm -hmm. and i asked my instructors like how do the patients function like that Mm -hmm. and they just looked at me they said we don't know they go what do you mean you don't know right and and they said well i mean these people are desperate they don't have a lot of options And this is something that doctors do to help them out. And I said, well, I mean, you can't go back. Once you put these bolts in and cut them open and they're not the same anymore. How are they like, are they better off? And they're like, eh, like very little research on the subject back then. Right. Wow. So I was very disgusted with that, you know, and I was very naive. I thought that if you're a specialist, you can't turn down surgeries. Right. Yeah. But they turn it down all the time. Yeah. Like the joke I used to make was if you're a root canal specialist, you can't say, well, I don't do this root canal because it's too hard. Well, they actually do. They just say the tooth is unsavable. Pull it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah. So they, they, it, they, it does happen, but that was fine. So as soon as I graduated dental school, I immediately enrolled into Chinese medical school. Interesting. Interesting. And, and that, that led you to, I mean, was it, Obviously, you, you know, you, you had this disgust that you, you know, that you learned this, that people weren't necessarily focusing in on that specific ailment. Was there, was there something that you thought, like, did you have like a hypothesis or something like that, a theory that you felt like you could help people in that situation? No, better? no, not at all. I just remember thinking how unscientific it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't based on anything. It was like, and you know, in retrospect, it was like, you know, the, the surgeons were just doing the best they knew how to do. And the patients were desperate. There was no one to help them. And they're like, I'll try anything. You know, yeah. it was that kind of situation. And I didn't want to be any part of that. I, you yeah. know, I want to do something that's repeatable and useful. If you think about it, you know, traditional allopathic Western medicine is very much, okay, let's cut it out. Let's put you on medication for the rest of your life. Uh, and that's like their methodology, right? Yeah. But dentistry is not really like that. Okay. Even though we're yeah. a part of, of Western medicine, if someone comes into a dentist with a toothache, the dentist has to look and you know they have to take a history. They have to take an x-ray to see if there's a cavity. They have to probe to see if there's a gum infection or inflammation. Is there a sinus infection that's you know pressing on the nerves of the teeth? Is the patient mm-hmm. clenching their teeth at night? you know, what is going on, right? Mm -hmm. And then once they find out, oh, it's just a cavity. Okay, well, let's fill it. You know, then let's just fix the problem. And then, you know, hopefully the dentist will say then, okay, you need to change your diet or you need to change your brushing and flossing habits, for example. Mm 
Yeah. So to, to me, that is very holistically driven because mm-hmm. you're sitting there, you're, you're doing a proper evaluation on a patient to find out what is wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And you go from there, right? And the, at that point, when someone's got a toothache with a cavity, there is nothing a homeopathic or an herbal remedy or even acupuncture is going to do to resolve in a comprehensive way their cavity. Yeah. Right. Like some people do acupuncture instead of anesthesia Mm -hmm. so that they can, you know, not have to use, you know, a drug to get them numb and they'll do acupuncture. They'll do the filling and then they'll take the needles out. Okay. How does, how does the, the acupuncture work in like the the mouth? I mean, are you actually, are there pressure points or something like that? Yeah, there are, but I would never do acupuncture inside the mouth. I would do it on the hand. Okay. <laughs> or on okay. the foot. Yeah. So, so that you're doing it on your hand can, can numb, like if yeah. you had to have a filling done. Yeah, absolutely. It's been done. Really? There's actually research on it. People have had arm surgery. Dr. Yoshiaki Omura was the first person in the West to do uh, acupuncture. And I think he did some electrical stimulation but they did like they cut them open with a with a scalpel, did the surgery, stitched them up, all without any anesthesia. Wow! And in there's videos. I think it's on YouTube. They've actually done brain surgery on patients with just acupuncture. Incredible! Like literally sawed through their cranium, lifted the lid up, did the surgery, plopped it back in, and stitched them back up. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that's. I think the only area of the body where you don't get good anesthesia from acupuncture is in the gut. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. Okay. Yeah. The okay. intestines, that whole, this whole region, because the nerves go every which away. Yeah. In, yeah. in that area. And are, are you familiar with how acupuncture works? Like, well, I hope so. Yeah. I, so, so, <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just curious. Is it, is it, you know, you, you have to find like a nerve ending. Is that basically what you're aiming for? Not you know, a nerve needles, ending, or? but we say that there is either a life force, chi or oxygen, that moves in meridians up and down this electrical grid that we have in our body. Sure. And when there's, for example, pain or an issue, an organ issue, we say that there is either a deficiency or an excess in that area. And so the point of the acupuncture is either to bring energy to that area or to unblock the blockage. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and I guess, how would you, how would you go about determining where you should 
for lack of a better way, stick the needles yeah, to well, be that's able just, to. Well, that's just tra- that's just memory. That's just training, right? Okay. So they teach us how to diagnose what the patients have, the symptoms, and you know, though I mean, I don't do internal medicine in my practice. My practice mm-hmm. is on pain and sleep disorder breathing, but if I did you know, I would love it if the patient came in with blood work, because mm-hmm. then I can look at what, what like the, the numbers say in terms of which organ is having the problem, because, you know, you know, we see complex patients as well as physicians do. So sometimes there's more than one organ involved. Yeah. There's more than one system involved. So having that blood work helps us. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, you know, obviously traditionally there was no blood work. So you would go with their tongue color, the way their tongue looks, their pulse, and then the patient symptoms. And then you would base your either herbal formula or acupuncture on those things. Okay, got it, got it, interesting. And I have to say one thing that is really interesting, both Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, the ancient textbooks that say how to treat, they're, they're written with what I would say is humility and with the intention of he, of helping the person. Uh-huh. So they would say, for example, patient presents with these symptoms and this kind of constitution, that's probably this disease. Okay. okay. Go ahead and do this treatment. Okay. And then they'll say, if after your treatment, patient has a whole new series of symptoms that are not good, yeah. then that means they really originally had this disease. Okay. Right. Okay. And therefore we're not, this is what it really is. And this is what's definitely going to work. Interesting. Right. Interesting. So there's no ego about it. It's just a matter of fact of diagnosis is hard. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay? And we learn from our failures Yeah. more than we do our successes. So when they show us, okay, this is how you treat it. And then if you failed, and this is how you failed, then that means it was really that, Yeah. right? And the more you understand your failures, the more you understand how the human body works. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it does, it does. And you mentioned like ancient, you know, texts was, are there any texts that that sort of come to mind that, you know, sort of follow that path that, you know- Well, the, the original, the first textbook of Chinese medicine is the Huangti Neijing, Okay. It's roughly 2,500 years old, yeah. but there was roughly 2,500 years of data being collected in China before that. Yeah. So, you know, part of, you know, in China, I mean, it was always been the world's largest population. Yeah. As far as I know. And one of the things that has always been an issue for them is like starvation. Sure. Right. Yeah. And making money in order to afford food. Yeah. So a way of life that has been around probably to this day is I need, if I learn something, if I, let's say I learned a technique for diabetes or I learned a technique for tendonitis or whatever, I would only keep that in my family. Okay. So that our generation and my generation Uh, generation would, would have money so that they could survive. I mean, survival is a real thing, right? Yeah. That they had to worry about. So when the, the Huangti Neijing was, was made, it was the yellow emperor wanted like sort of like an HMO system. Okay. He had, a, he had the world's biggest population. Yeah. How do you 
organize a healthcare system for the first and ancient largest population. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to have something that's not only effective, but cost effective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they use reusable needles, you know, back then um, they used herbs that was in the, I'll tell you something very funny. My very first class in acupuncture school was intro to herbology. They just kind okay. of give you the overview. Yeah. And mind you, I'm already a dentist. And I'm a, I'm a tiny bit skeptical, even though being skeptical is not scientific. And they would say like this, like she would say, okay, this is the herb, let's say fooling or whatever. And then this is the grams that you would use in your dosage. And I just kind of like gave the teacher a little kind of like a snide eye. And I was like, come on, how do we know how many grams it is? Cause I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking one plant is not exactly the same as the other right. plant. Right. And then you know, when you're weighing it, how dry is it? You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I was very kind of skeptical about it, right? And she told me in a very straight and matter-factual way, she goes, oh, in China, we don't have FDA. So, you know, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, someone gives 60 grams of this grass to a patient. Mm -hmm. They die. Mm -hmm. Okay, so next time we say 30 grams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's how she said it. And, and that's how they got these numbers. They just tested it through testing people. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, so let's bring this back over to, you know, a little bit more of your focus in that and mm -hmm. helping, helping people sleep. What are some common things that you're seeing today with, with, uh, you know, people that are, you know, seeking out your, your, you know, your skill sets? So in the context of sleep, I'm treating snoring and sleep apnea, both in mm -hmm. adults and children. Mm -hmm. In children, you can actually cure sleep apnea by doing functional orthodontics. Okay. And when I came out of dental school, that's what I was doing, even though I didn't know I was doing it. Okay. And, and then the parents would be like, hey, can you help me out? And I would say, okay, I've had this job problem. Okay. I'd make them appliances to help with their job problem. And they would come back and say, you know, I don't have migraines anymore. Huh. And I said, well, good for you. I didn't know you had migraines. Yeah. And, and they would say, no, no, no. When I take your appliance out, my migraine comes back. Okay. Go, okay. First patient says that you're like, okay, coincidence. And then I think within, within a month or two, literally a second patient told me the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. thought, okay, this can't be a coincidence. So I asked, you know, my study group and I looked at, re at research and it's a known thing mm -hmm. that both tension type headaches and migraine type headaches can be caused by a TMJ problem. And the reason I say cause, because we're not allowed to usually use that word yeah. because we say it's strongly correlated as we see it overlap over and over again yeah. in multiple studies, thousands of studies. But we say cause because we have data that shows when you treat someone with both a TMJ and a tension headache and a TMJ and a migraine type headache mm -hmm. that either, usually the tension type headache goes 80 to hundred percent gone, yeah. but roughly 50% to 75% of migraines will vastly improve when you treat a TMJ problem, depending on the study you look at and how big it is. Yeah. And obviously in how complex the patient is. That's yep. a whole other issue in and of itself. Yeah. Now, do you know, does everyone who has TMJ 
know that they have TMJ or are there no. some people that don't I'm necessarily? I'm so glad you, oh my God, thank you so much for asking that question. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so here's the insidious thing about the TMJ. So we have a mechanism in our brain in our prefrontal cortex that doesn't like redundant information, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you walk into a room that smells bad. Yeah. After about a minute, you don't smell it anymore. Right. Right. Those odor molecules are still going right up to your nose, right? Olfactory nerves are still picking it up, but your brain doesn't, doesn't even pay any attention to it anymore because mm -hmm. it's not useful information for your survival. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and the body, just to be clear, the body is way more concerned about function than it is about pain mm -hmm. because function means survival, pain you can tolerate and live another day, right? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the TMJ, we use it all the time, mm -hmm. right? We swallow two to 3,000 times a day. We chew our food. We talk as we've been talking nonstop now for how long? And, and then we go home and then we clench our teeth. Yeah. Right. So we don't ever get a break. You know, when someone has a sprained ankle, you know, we instinctively put our weight on the other leg. Yeah. We give right. it a rest. We sit down. We try. We ask our, our partners to bring us things so we don't have to get up and put weight on it. We can do that with a sprained mm -hmm. ankle. Mm -hmm. With a jaw, we don't get a break. When we have a one sided jaw problem, we almost always will end up with the other side problem as well. Mm -hmm. And we don't ever get a break from the jaw. And then if we have, if we move to the point of just, oh, okay, acute pain to actual chronic situation, then every time we swallow, every time we clench, that's redundant information to the brain. Mm -hmm. Even though it's important, mm -hmm. it's still redundant. So the brain kind of shuts off the reminder that, hey, you just swallowed, ow. Yeah. Hey, you yeah. just chewed your, your lunch, ow. You know, it's just, it's not useful. Yeah. You understand? And so there's so many people that have other issues like tension type, microtype headache, facial pain, ear pain, sometimes even tinnitus, and they don't know that their TMJ issue could be causing it. Interesting. Right? Are, are there, are there any, you know, obviously those, those are all things that those are all signs, but are, is there anything physically that people can look for? or even maybe a partner, like if they're, you know, sleeping, even again, I'm not sure if it's more prevalent when you are sleeping to have, you know, clenched jaw or, or you know, it, grinding is, teeth. it is harder. I mean, cause your lips are closed, but you know, sometimes when we clench our teeth, we make quite noise. Yeah. But sometimes instead of grinding the teeth, we clench the teeth like this, which doesn't make a noise, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. But puts even worse pressure and pain into the jaw joints than even grinding. Yeah. Right. So with snoring and sleep apnea, that's something that's pretty common that the bed partner can see, Okay. right? So they can hear them snoring, they can hear them choking. And actually, we now know that roughly 50% of the time, the reason why we clench our teeth is because of some form of sleep apnea. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Of course, uh, stress it, is a factor too. And, and you mentioned earlier, you know, that sinuses could even be you know, wrapped up into this. Does sinuses have, play a role in this as well? Excellent. Boy, you're asking the best questions. It's, <laughs> it's as if, you know, you, you have a background in this. I yeah, love right? I'm being very <laughs> sincere. I really love your question. So the form of sleep apnea that is more causally related to clenching your teeth is called upper airway resistance syndrome. Okay. Okay. 
And the most common cause of upper airway resistance syndrome is poor nasal flow and then switching to mouth breathing. Okay. You follow? Yeah. And the problem, see, here's the problem with the chomp. So it's hinged. So when we open, we hinge back and then we glide. Mm -hmm. That's how the jaw works. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the first few millimeters of opening, the jaw actually goes back. So imagine you're sleeping backwards and your nose stuffs up and then you switch to like mm -hmm. that. And then you clench, which, which can happen reflexively from mouth breathing as well. Yeah. Right. But yeah. now you're clenching from this retruded position, which is the absolute worst position that the jaw wants. The jaw wants to come downward and forward. Yeah. That make sense. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So are, are there any, I guess, exercises or things that people can do to, you know, help with sleep apnea or is it, is it, is it, you know, you have to get one of the apparatus things that you, you mentioned so, that you have, you know, some, some mouthpieces that you've created. Yeah, we make, we make FDA approved oral appliances to treat sleep apnea. And of course there's CPAP out there and mm -hmm. CPAP works. It's just, it's not tolerated well. Mm -hmm. There are actually three, I think it's up to six now, uh, studies out of Australia. You know the didgeridoo? Yeah. That yeah, is yeah. basically a hollow branch and you burr, Yeah. You know? So in order to do the didgeridoo the way Aboriginals do it, you do what's called some, something called circular breathing, where you inhale through the nose and exhale while you know holding the air in your cheeks. Interesting. You okay. follow? Yeah. And that takes a lot of neuromuscular tone. So they've actually have done treatments where they just send the patient to get, you know, learn how to play the didgeridoo and then uh -huh. they retest them and their apnea is improved by 50%. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Same, same for what's called myofunctional therapy. So mm -hmm. a myofunctional therapist teaches you how to properly swallow, how to properly hold your tongue how to chew, and sometimes how to speak. And that control over your tongue can go a long way in keeping your airway open as well. And on average, it reduces it by number by 50%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. So that's, so basically it's, you know, just retraining and strengthening those muscles, you know, to be able to hold itself in place, I guess you can say, you know, when you're, when you're sleeping. Interesting. Yeah, that's right. What, what are, what are some of the other common things that, that people, you know, would, would complain of, you know, when they, when they have, you know, poor sleep or when they, when they feel like they're not sleeping well, is there anything else that comes to mind that, that, you know, people. Um... So here's the thing. There is nothing that poor sleep doesn't negatively affect. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. huge. We have two stages of sleep. One is Delta, one is REM. In mm -hmm. Delta, we get almost 100% of our growth hormone. Mm -hmm. And in REM is where we do our mental emotional processing, right? Plus, we even have studies now that showed that it's during REM, our lymphatic system in our brain is clearing out the beta amyloid plaques, mm -hmm. you know, that, that you mm -hmm. know, can lead to a stroke if you don't do them. So when we don't have growth hormone, first, we need growth hormone to grow, but after we're done growing, we need growth hormone for repair. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? Mm -hmm. It does, yeah. Yeah, with, with REM, I mean, who doesn't need mental emotional process? Sure, exactly. I mean, especially during this pandemic where spikes in suicide, depression, anxiety, weight gain, I mean, you name it, everything has gone through the roof. Yeah. And everyone has been made to be 
petrified, mm-hmm. you know? And to be honest, let's, let's be very, very frank here. This pandemic has largely affected the elderly mm-hmm. and the infirm, like mm-hmm. those with multiple uh, systemic issues, you know, mm-hmm. at least three or four, right? And obesity is one of the big ones mm-hmm. that, it, that it affects. So the younger age group, the, uh, the healthy under 50 group, th- this group from zero to 50 make up the majority of the planet and they have an extremely high survival rate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, I admit there are, you know, a lot of Americans don't know they have diabetes, hypertension, or even pre-diabetes, pre-hypertension, but they know they're obese, right? Yeah. And when they unfortunately get COVID, they can have a bad outcome. Yeah. But the vast, vast majority survive it and have lifelong immunity, yeah. right? So this is, you know, perfectly healthy people have been trained to fear other perfectly healthy people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in my observation. Yeah, yeah. And, and do you feel like this is something that, that you know, people are going to, you know, get, get past, right? I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, you know, I, I don't want to go too far down the, the path of, of, you know, are you, you know, on the vaccinated side, or are you not on the vaccinated side, but, you know, getting, getting over whatever, whatever direction you, you tend to lean, you know, getting past all of that and getting on with life again, I think is, you know, the most, you know, the most important thing that, that everyone can do. I agree. Do, you I, know? Agree. I mean, I agree. well, I'm obviously for choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. there's, you know, with the vaccines, there's a there's a risk from the vaccine. There's a risk if you don't get it and you get COVID and have a negative outcome. Yeah. So every individual should, in a free society, every individual should have the right to make an educated me and my doctor decision yeah. on what's best for me. Right. 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 And that's what it's about. If if you want to do it that way, just, just make a choice for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Dave, this is, this has been a hell of a conversation. There's so much we could dive into, you know, on these specific topics and that, but uh, perhaps we can have you back on again and we can, we can dive into some more of these things as I, I, I could, yeah, I could talk about these things all day. So that could be great. Um, yeah, no, I, I certainly appreciate the time. If people want to learn more about you, your practice, your services, what would be the best way yeah. to reach out and get in so touch? So I'm very passionate about the subject. So if you go on YouTube, you know, look me up. There's a lot of information. I did a one-hour Google talk. You know, I hope everyone gets a chance to look at it. And then my website is TMJLA because I'm in the Los Angeles area. Mm-hmm. I have two offices, one in Thousand Oaks, one in Los Angeles. Yeah, come look at my website, learn new things and come and see us if you'd like to help yourself or a loved one. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for the for the time, Dave. And uh, like I said, we there's there's lots to explore here. So I'd love to do it again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.